Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. I'm here with my co-host, uh, Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs and the Sharp Edge. How you guys doing? Hey, hey. Doing good. How about you? Not too bad. I'm <laughs> tired. I'm tired from my trip, man. Was it good? I did have fun. Did, did you catch any crack? Fish? <laughs> huh? Yeah, Crocodile Dean did up, man. Did you catch any fish? Nah. <laughs> Bummer. Oh, it was terrible. I Couldn't did enjoy the it. videos you posted on Twitter. That was a very cool. Yeah, helicopters were cool. We went to like this remote part of Darwin where like no one fishes mangoes. Lots of crocs there. So our guides like had guns and stuff just to be safe. There's some big crocs out there, man. And so we yeah. went to some secluded rivers and uh, we fished for this big fish called the Barramundi and we didn't catch it. <laughs> but it was a fun trip though. That's cool. Glad you had fun. Yeah, it was good. Meanwhile, what's been going on with you, Corey? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my trip wasn't so fun. I've been on the road for a few days and I'm delirious from uh, sleep deprivation because just before I left, my dog's foot suddenly swell up. I couldn't figure out why, so I had to rush him to the vet. They said, oh, he's got this terrible yeast infection from licking it, and it's all inflamed and red, and we need to get him on this anti-fungus and uh, anti-inflammatory. And then over the course of two and a half days while being in my truck, it just got huge, like so swollen and nothing was working. And I'm, I just could not figure out for the life of me what could have caused this. Because you guys know he's still dealing with his rear leg. So this is like kitty corner. This is his front left paw. And his rear right leg is the one that had knee surgery on it two and a half months ago. So we're finally like almost a full recovery of that then this happens so now he's this like hobbling mess and uh i get in i get into town and i have to rush him to the vet when i get here they're like oh my god this is so infected and i'm like but he's been in my house i mean other than walking him in my immediate surroundings so we came to the conclusion that it's most likely rock salt they dump tons of the uh, salt all over my front porch area and driveway and all through the parking lot and uh, area where I live. And it's blue, which I've never seen before. So I think that adds some other chemical, but apparently it can like really burn dogs paws. And so that's thinking that maybe like a little sliver got in there or something. Cause the poor thing, he's like shaking it. Like, you know, when you have a bad itch or a burn and you're just like, Oh my God, you have to get to it immediately. Cause it's just killing you. Yeah. That's how he's been. So we've now got an antibiotic and prednisone and a cone on his head. And <laughs> Poor guy. I know. And so you haven't I, slept for days. I haven't. And I was planning on, well, you know, cause especially with like the cone on the head, they crash into everything. So you have to like be alert. So they're not falling off things. And uh, so anyway, I, um, needless to say, I, I was planning on working while I was on the road and keeping up to date on news and that didn't happen. So I'm going to listen to you guys inform yeah. me of what's been going on. I was going to say, Corey, uh, Corey's here for moral support today. I am. I am. Hang out with us. I didn't Yay. want to miss my team. So, so I'm going to hang out and let you guys tell everyone what the heck's going on in the world. Well, we're glad you're here. We're glad you finally got to your destination and your pup's on his way to the mend. So that's all good. We got this. Okay, so what are we going to talk about, Speaker? So today we're going to talk about the coronavirus, two-way rally in Virginia, impeachment, some updates, a Puerto Rican aid, 
Project Veritas, the newest video. And we're just going to mention a few little bits about the Flynn update and Tulsi Gabbard's suing Clinton, which is pretty funny. <laughs> okay, what do you want to get into first? Let's get into Puerto Rican aid. Oh, all right. That's me. That's why I picked it. I, yeah, I figured. <laughs> I'm anxious to hear what was found in the warehouses. Because when I saw that, I mean, you know, obviously I've seen little bits of this news here and there. I just haven't had time to really fully read everything. So I'm, I'm curious on this one. Okay, let me give you a little bit of backstory. So the Trump administration, through Ben Carson's HUD department, announced on January 16th to make $8.2 billion available to Puerto Rico for disaster recovery. And this was originally intended for Puerto Rico after the devastation of the 2017 hurricanes, Irma and Maria. But additionally, Puerto Rico's more recently had some uh, been hit really hard with earthquakes as well. So mm-hmm. the HUD department had put this grant money on hold until they could put a full financial monitoring team in place to ensure that the aid was actually going to go to the people who need it. Ah, smart. Yeah. So this hold on the recovery money by the Trump administration was under harsh criticism by the Democrats and the mainstream media forever. Right. But But the Trump administration's concerns weren't unfounded. In fact, in February 2019, four people were charged with disaster fraud for booking FEMA funds intended for the recovery after the hurricanes. And one of those individuals was a former advisor to the Puerto Rican governor, Alejandro Garcia Padilla. He served from 2013 to 2017. They went through a couple other governors. There was a Ricardo Rosello who was forced out of office for several reasons, but partially for mishandling the recovery process. And this new governor, Wanda Vasquez Garced, she's been in office since August. Okay, so that's kind of the backstory. Her priorities are to fight corruption and secure federal hurricane recovery funds. Just a couple of days after HUD releases a hold on this $8.2 billion, which they were harshly criticized for holding, that's mm-hmm. when the news broke of these officials who found a warehouse full of emergency supplies. And this, these supplies were dating back to 2017's hurricanes. So the warehouse was only discovered by accident because they were investigating for damage from the recent earthquakes. And this warehouse was full of unused supplies of water, food, diapers, medicine, you name it. So the citizens were outraged, okay? And the governor, she ended up firing the director of emergency management, the secretary of housing, and the department of family secretary. But many of the Puerto Ricans have been protesting and calling for her resignation. This isn't the first time. This isn't the first instance of mismanagement of federal disaster aid in September 2018. Hundreds of pallets of water were found on an airstrip that had gone bad sitting out there in the sun. Do you guys remember that? I remember that. that. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. And then in August, and people were going without, without clean water, meanwhile. And then in August of 2018, crates of food, water, medicine, and other supplies were found by a local news station rotting away in a state elections office. So here's what I find interesting, because of course I hear Puerto Rico, and the first thing that comes to my mind is the Clintons. They've been involved in you know, disaster recovery and getting flying medical supplies in with their teams of people. And I actually had recently included that in a report in 2017, partnered with uh, AbbVie, which is why I included it in here, because that was in my transgender report, and 43 other companies. 
to deliver medicine and medical supplies to Puerto Rico. And uh, there was, it was a direct relief chartered a cargo jet that was flying the supplies out there and uh, Habitat for Humanity. And so I just find it very interesting that the Clintons are very involved with many other groups of individuals through CGI. And you just have to wonder, what's the What's the reason for that? Why were they not distributing this? Exactly. And I think my point of view is, you know, were they withholding this just so they could bash this administration? Would they actually do that? Oh, but, yeah. So the Trump administration was right. While they, the corrupt officials were busy bashing Trump about getting aid to Puerto Rico, they were hiding and mismanaging aid from their people. And nearly 3,000 people died from the 2017 hurricanes in the aftermath. Right. It's disgusting. And also, by hiding it all, then they need more. We got to get more stuff out there. We got to do better. We got to get more recovery, more aid. And it keeps them more involved in the loop. So it's just how many sick individuals are involved in this? I can't even imagine. Just shows you the lack of care. Mm. I did a little piece on the Virgin Islands corruption and Puerto Rico corruption, as well as the Epstein lawsuit. If anybody wants to check that out. Ooh, I want to check it out. I want to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> we could leave a link or something. Yeah, definitely. Cool. What should we talk about now? 2A? The 2A rally? You want to talk about 2A rally? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. So the other day in Virginia, there was a massive, massive protest as most of you have noticed over the last two days, which were protesting Law SB 240, which would create a process for attorneys and law enforcement to file emergency orders prohibiting a person from purchasing, possessing, or transferring a firearm, which these protesters have come out saying that this law is unconstitutional. It went off without a hitch, which is fantastic. It was actually really, really good to see. Pretty yeah, amazing. That's surprising. It's pretty amazing that thousands of people with guns and not one arrest happened, not one. Apart from what we see in Antifa rallies and all that, it was an incredibly peaceful protest. It was great. I think the thing that people need to take out of this is once again, the media shilling for the Democrats and for unconstitutional policies once again. And I'll play a video now, which is uh, a compilation of what the media was saying. And for a week building up to this, the governor tried to call emergency powers in and tried to call a state of emergency because of how bad it was going to be. Or it was a white supremacist rally that was going around on a lot of news networks which is completely bullshit. I mean, if you saw some of the videos from this, there are so many people with so many different races just sitting there trying to fight for the Constitution. Right now, thousands of gun rights activists, white nationalists, militia groups all swarming the Virginia state capitol. There are a lot of people nervous about what's going to happen. Authorities in Richmond are on high alert. It could be a tense day. Such polarization, what may happen in Virginia. Several hate groups, supposedly some white nationalists. White nationalists. White nationalists. White nationalists. White nationalist groups. White supremacists. White supremacists. White supremacists. White extremists. This entire rally stands in, in opposition to the meaning of this day. Virginia on the edge. How concerned are you that there might be some people in this crowd that may want to get violent? There's certainly a lot of concern here. Raising fears of a dangerous confrontation. It could be violence. And there is real concern there about what the intention is behind this. There's a lot of concern about the potential for violence. It sparked violence. Tensions high in Virginia may cause violence there. North, I'm clearly trying to avoid another Charlottesville. Yeah. In Charlottesville. You could see a repeat of what we saw in 2017 in Charlottesville. Similar to what we saw in Charlottesville. Worrying about a repeat of Charlottesville. Horrible 2017 Charlottesville disaster. You look at what happened in Charlottesville. The two sides clashed in Charlottesville. Men walk through the capital in Virginia carrying weapons of war. Many demonstrators 
are in fact heavily armed. Heavily, heavily armed. Heavily armed. Look at the gear. What is this all about? Militia groups. Armed militia. These militia groups. Far-right militias. Militia. Militia groups. Far-right extremists. 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 Look, those threats which caused the governor to call for a state of emergency have simply not emerged. The police very clear in saying that they have not had a single arrest uh, during this rally. Did, did Antifa show up? Because I remember seeing a lot of people saying, oh, truckloads of Antifa saying they're going too. I, I found this interesting as well. Um, I didn't think they would show up. This was just my personal view uh, because Antifa are pussies, right? Yeah. So when they are in a position where they are completely outnumbered, <laughs> I had a feeling that they wouldn't show up because they are. They were completely outnumbered there with right. tens of thousands of people with weapons. There was a couple of videos I saw of a couple of Antifa people. They were staying pretty damn quiet. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, you say, when you say thousands of people with weapons, were they allowed? Because I thought they said in that fenced-in area, they weren't allowed to bring weapons. So in, in the fenced-in the area. Or? They were on the yeah, outside. Yeah, on the outside. Okay. So there was a large group on the inside as well as a large group on the outside. Gotcha. And we and had some friends was... in the crowd and on the outside. So yeah, shout Lisa out. Was there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, she got on Breitbart. That was nice. That was cool. Yeah, that was cool. But yeah, th like there's a lot of videos coming out there, especially from police officers and rangers and stuff like that, saying that you know, if if this law gets passed, we won't enforce it. It's unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And that and that's that's brilliant to see. And uh, but the thing with the media running this sort of smear. Oh, it was like it was arms. like they were cheering for it. They wanted they wanted it, right? Carnage. They they yeah. wanted it. And they were very disappointed when it didn't happen. And they shut up about it real quickly. You don't start hearing much about it anymore, are you? Right? <laughs> now that it's yeah. over and nothing's happened, it's just it's dead in the water in mainstream media. Forget about the rally where nothing no violence happened. Um see I knew that the you know the, the two A the actual two A protesters were, were going to assemble peacefully. I did hear rumors about Antifa and I did hear about them uh, wanting to dress like Trump supporters and right. and start stuff. So like maybe half of them would dress like Antifa and the other half would dress as Trump supporters, but they were all in on the same act and they would create some sort of false flag scenario. But that, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. And it went off without a hitch. Everyone was peaceful. I saw one incident where there was an infiltrator trying to stir up problems and he was called out real quick. And it was so great to see because there was a ton of coverage of African-American Second Amendment supporters. And they were like, look, this is not a white nationalist rally. I feel totally mm -hmm. comfortable here. And so it just completely dismantled the, the media's narrative. It reinforced the fact that they're all fake news and they're all just trying to demonize people for supporting the Constitution. And, and the thing that really hurts the media, not like they, they need to be hated and, and stuff enough now, because I think the majority of the population already does know what they're doing and knows that they shill for certain agendas and certain political parties and certain beliefs. But there is a lot of people in America that are not Republicans they're not Democrats, but they're constitutionalists. And the media running these sort of smears is not doing any favours to get them on your side too, because they're mostly mm -hmm. independent voters. 
Right. When is, so when is the vote on this bill? I got to scroll up in our messages here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Democratic-led Senate gave preliminary approval to approve the so-called red flag law. The move comes a day after the rally, the peaceful rally. The measure is set for a final vote in the Senate before going to the House. Republicans blasted the bill as an assault on gun rights and civil, civil liberties. Democrats said the bill was a thoughtful measure that would preserve due process while yeah. also protecting people against potential gun violence. So mm -hmm. the Democrat-led Senate gave preliminary approval to approve the so-called red, red, red flag law. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, the gay community to come after you now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Not to worry. It seems like the sheriffs are not going to enforce it, even if enforce it does pass. Enforce it anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that, that was cool to see. That was cool to see people with those sort of positions taking a stand. So what else is yeah. going on, guys? Well, impeachment. The, the impeachment charade. If our followers don't want us to talk uh, about impeachment again, please send a message and say it because I don't want to talk about impeachment again. I know. Speaker's done. <laughs> I'm done with it. We need to talk about it. It's just a tad bit important. Just, just a little the bit. The only thing I did catch is while I was trying to set my computer up last night, I flipped the TV on and there was Adam Schiff with his eyeballs rolling around in his head and I'm looking at the the huge marble desk that they're standing in front of and I'm thinking that's so interesting so I'm not even hearing anything he's saying I'm just looking at this going this dark black marble with all the the like white threads going through it and it just looks daunting and it was distracting and it and it, it was like a muddied puddle of I don't know what it just felt like interesting backdrop that looked like chaos you know what I mean it kind of went right along with the theme so <laughs> but it was Schiff I couldn't listen to him I'm like oh I'm turning this off I sat through a lot of it just for you guys because oh. <laughs> I love you so much <laughs> thanks, thanks bitch. It's painful it's painful it was so, I heard, I mean, it was on for 30 seconds and I heard lie after lie after lie. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. time to turn this off. <laughs> yep. And that went on for 13 hours Good job. <laughs> on Tuesday. So on Tuesday at 1 PM, the Senate convened for impeachment proceedings and it went on for 13 hours until 2 AM. So they voted on 11 amendments proposed by Schumer and the Democrats of course. to the impeachment proceedings, plus the Senate rules of impeachment. And all 11 amendments <laughs> were rejected. <laughs> in a That's awesome. I wish I had stayed for that part. <laughs> yep. In a straight party line vote, 5347. So the amendments were just requesting to subpoena additional documents from the White House, the State Department, the DOD, as well as subpoenaing new witnesses, including the White House Chief of Staff. Now, the so Democrats, basically they were wasting time and running a show. Yes, yes. Okay. That's how I'm going to kind of get into that because it was all a show. Now, the Democrats in this argument over the amendments, they knew these amendments were going to get shot down because they're putting the cart before the horse. The process goes that each side presents their case. It was originally proposed that each side gets 24 hours. That's been extended a little bit. I think it's like a total of three days between the two of them. But each side gets about 24 hours. And then after that, 
after all the arguments are heard in that time frame, next week is when they're supposed to vote on if they want to subpoena for more documents and witnesses, not before the arguments are heard. And the Dems knew this. This hmm. is just a tactic so they can use it as a talking point when they're standing in front of the press and they can say, oh, you see the White House and the Senate majority are engaging in a cover-up. Right. Right. <laughs> and you heard it all day, all day on the first day. So, and this is beyond hypocritical when you look at the way the House conducted their impeachment proceedings. Right. Um, but it's clever, I guess. Um, they're just trying to win in the court of public opinion. Like you said, it's just a show. Right. So, and Nadler got up there. Um, he called the senators who rejected Schumer's amendments. Their votes were treacherous votes. And they were participating in a cover-up. It was ridiculous. That's, that's, that's a really great way to try to prove your case in the Senate when they have majority vote. That's it. Call them all traitors. Right. Mm -hmm. that's, a real, that's a really good way to get some senators to vote for, your, for you. Really, mm -hmm. really well done. I do think they are trying to pressure some to come over to their side, and I'm going to get to that in a second. Oh, so, I'm sure. Yeah. They want yeah. new witnesses to be called, including their new star witness, this Lev Parnas character. I know you guys might have heard of him. The Dems are trying to say that this guy was sent on a secret James Bond mission by oh, Trump and Giuliani oh <laughs> to pressure the Ukraine to investigate the Bidens. Well, it turns out that Shifty may have mischaracterized evidence that was used to support this claim about Lev Parnas. So there were text messages between Parnas and Giuliani where Parnas said, quote, trying to get us Mr. Z, unquote, where Schiff used this as proof that Parnas was trying to set up meetings with President Zelensky. But, and that then a lot of the texts were redacted, but the unredacted version of these text messages show that Mr. Z was actually Mikola Zlovchesky, the founder of Burisma, not Zelensky, the president. So it appears <laughs> that Schiff tried to cover this up and, no. and misrepresent this evidence. Anyways, Trump has repeatedly said he doesn't even personally know this Lev Parnas character and that he's a con man. But this is their star witness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if this is their star witness, they are in trouble. They should be careful of what they wish for because if they vote to subpoena for more witnesses next week, Hunter Biden better be at the top of that list. Oh, yeah. Right. So next week, and this is where I think that they were trying to pressure some of the senators. So next week, after the opening argument, arguments, when they vote on witnesses and evidence to be subpoenaed, there mm -hmm. are four weak Republicans that we actually need to keep our eyes on. Mitt Romney, mm -hmm. Susan, Collins. Susan Collins, yeah. Lisa, Lisa Murkowski, and Corey Gardner. So we'll have to see what those guys do. Collins is really unpredictable. Yeah, so is Murkowski, Romney. Well, Murkowski and Romney, I can I can see definitely go on the other side. Collins is really unpredictable. Like you can see with the Kavanaugh case and all that, her voting for Kavanaugh, her pushing that over. There's random things that she does, which is helpful. And then there's things that she says and all that, which is really not. So she's, yeah, she's an interesting one. 
But Ro- Romney and Rakowski, yeah, they're just trash. Yeah, so we'll have to see, <laughs> right. we'll have to see what happens next week. Is is really? I mean, right now we're just going to be uh, this week. We're just going to be he- hearing their opening arguments, and so then next yeah. week is when we should hear about voting to subpoena witnesses and evidence. I'm not going to hear it because I'm not going to pay attention. <laughs> oh, that I might pay attention. Edge, <laughs> you can, you can, you can do that. <laughs> stay on top of that. What we got next? Let's go into the coronavirus. Now, this is pretty big. This is looking like another epidemic. Uh, we've had a few of a few of these over the years. Certain types of coronavirus. Now, this fits on the same virus as sort of SARS which happened in 2003-2002, so kind of part of the same strain. That killed 650 people in China. MERS is another one that happened in the Middle East. That happened in 2012. That killed 800 people. So we're, we're looking at another epidemic of this scale, unfortunately. This originated in Wuhan, China, which is the capital of Hubei province, and it has a population of about 19 million. And what, what I just read today, which has just come out, it's, it's really hard to keep on track of this story because it's changing really rapidly and really fast. And by the time we probably put this out, these numbers, I assure you, probably will go up. So what I've read today is China, at the end of the day today, they are quarantining all of Wuhan and all public transport going to be no way into the city which when they start doing shit like that it, it's you know it's it's bad i mean quarantining a place with a population between 10 and 19 million depending on rural or metro areas is a pretty big deal but the but the uh the news out of china at the moment this morning when i first read it it was 400 cases and that was about seven hours ago until i just recently checked about an hour ago now it's 440 cases when I last checked, it was seven deaths. Now it's gone up to 17 deaths, apparently. It's moving really rapidly. This is this has spread. It's gone to Beijing. Cases in Japan, Thailand, South Korea, one in the US, one in Australia, Philippines, Hong Kong, Thailand. Not good. No. Really, really not good. Now, this apparently started from a fish market in uh, Wuhan. Let's all take this with a grain of salt, people, because this is information coming out of China. Don't be surprised if these numbers are way off just because it's the Chinese government putting it out. The effects of this this virus, it, it's a respiratory virus, so it affects the lungs and is spread from person to person by coughing and sneezing. The early stages of it, which is probably why I think these numbers are going to be skewed a lot, official numbers, is because early stages, it's like difficulty breathing, fever, coughing, and, and that's the early stages of it. Now, how many of us had a fever or have coughed and not gone to the doctors or not checked it up? Unless it gets really, really bad. Right. I, I mean, I, it's I think, it's cold and flu season, so. Is, exactly, right? So I, that's why I think that, that this number is probably a lot higher for people that have contracted it. But then it starts getting serious. So then it starts leading to organ failure, pneumonia, and then eventually death. Now, there is no, there's no vaccine for it. But symptoms can be treated. And there's no antiviral drugs for it either. But the symptoms can be treated. Now we're going to move into a little bit of conspiracy topic. Because I thought it was interesting to mention. Uh, Jordan Sather posted this the other day, which definitely deserves a mention. There was a patent for uh, coronavirus that was filled in 2015. And that was granted in 2018. And he goes down the thread here, which I will add in the video and you can watch it. And he asked some interesting questions. Uh, which are 
definitely warranted. That is, you know, was the release of this disease planned? Is the media being used to incite fear around it? Is the cabal desperate for money? Are they trying to tap big pharma, the big pharma reserves? Are vaccines already been manufactured to fight this? Now, these are all good questions when you start digging down viruses and all that. I knew Kokori would be interested on this and it would kind of prick her ear up <laughs> because the company that assigned the patents is a company called, uh, or an institute called Peerbright Institute out of the UK. Now, the major funders for this institute are the World Health Organization and Corey's favorite, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The case that happened in the U.S. was out of Washington, correct? Washington. Yeah, wa- Washington State. That person is fine. They've got yeah. it under control, so there's, there's no spreading there. But- that's, where the, that's where the first measles epidemic started over here, too. Oh. I just thought that was, you know, interesting coincidence being yes. where... Bill Gates lives and all. Hmm. Also, I wanted to mention though, so I don't know if you guys saw this, the World Health Organization put out a thread today on this and they have the emergency committee on the new coronavirus meets today to ascertain whether the outbreak constitutes a public health emergency of international concern and what recommendations should be made to manage it. And they have in here their, you know, who's on the committee and, and this and that. So I actually put this thread on my timeline, but People can find it on the World Health Organization, one of my favorite organizations. It is scary and it's sad because there's definitely going to be a lot more deaths in Wuhan, for sure. And if this is another SARS case, we can see deaths over hundreds to thousands. But while you say that, we have to also say that numbers are are oftentimes misstated by these groups. I mean, just in the... The measles, you know, in the vaccine report I did, I went through 26 years of the CDC reports, and they will still, till this day, all spit out numbers that are not factual based on, you know, so, so they'll take their initial numbers and they'll put them out into the media and everyone spreads it. And then months later, well, we'd calculated this and in our documentation, we found that these were false and da, 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 and the numbers were actually, but fast forward another year or two, they still report the original numbers they reported, not what the final actual numbers were. And that's very frustrating. Then you look at that swine flu, the whole swine flu epidemic. I covered that one in a report when Thomas Frieden was the director of the CDC. And that whole huge scare tactic over here, I don't know if you guys remember that, but majorly escalated numbers. Everyone had to go out and get these you know, the vaccines, and then that caused major issues, and they come to find that these numbers were incredibly escalated. So all I'm saying is, yes, it's, it's you know, people should be aware, and um, it's a little alarming when you hear it at first, but I'm just saying, without the fear-mongering and all, you know, we just have to keep things in perspective that we're not always told the correct... <laughs> The correct oh, no. information at the start. That's definitely huge at the start, especially with these sort of viruses and epidemics. I mean, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure the same thing happened with SARS and everything else. So my, my major concern with this is if, if it mutates, that's the last thing you want. So it goes right. through another mutation. Um, but just, it, it's really sad for, I, I, I think 
like SARS and, and like those things, I think the rest of the world's going to be fine. They're not going to have a zombie apocalypse going on here. <laughs> Pretty good at like bringing those things out. It's not the end. But for the people in Wuhan, it, it is most likely there is going to be a few deaths over there. Right. It's easy for us to like see the outside the Western world and we get one case and we're like, oh my God, that's crazy. But you know, when they've completely shut down a whole city of nine Right, and quarantining them. Yeah, that's... Quarantining them, that's scary for them. Yeah, hopefully we can get other port reports out there that are not coming from the Chinese government. Right. Yeah, so let's let's move on to Project Veritas. Edge. Nice segue, speaker. It was a terrible segue. I didn't even plan it. I just felt like this. <laughs> 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 okay, so this week there was a second Bernie Sanders field organizer. This guy's named Martin Weisgerber. He is a self-described Marxist communist and believes in anarcho-syndicalism. And he uh, stated... What is that? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. I was just interested. I'll, I'll give you an idea of what his beliefs are. So he stated with, to this undercover journalist that he's for guillotines for the rich. Oh. He's pro-gulag. <laughs> That's that's a thing in 2020, people. Yes, yes. He, yeah, he believes in re-education camps for Republicans. Some of these statements, I don't know if he was being kind of tongue-in-cheek, but then at <clears> some <throat> points he, he was going, no, I'm really serious. He also believes in total seizure of all means of production and nationalizing everything and was seriously talking about dissolving the Senate and the House and the judicial branch, branch and just having someone like Bernie and some cabinet people making decisions. Sounds, sounds like a dictatorship. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you what anarcho syndicalism is. I just looked it up for you. So it's political philosophy, anarchist school of thought that views revolutionary industrial unionism or syndicalism as a method for workers in capitalist society to gain control of an economy and thus control influence in broader society. I, I have not heard of that myself before. So Alrighty. <laughs> So, but this guy seems also like he's unhinged and he talked about if Bernie loses, he's ready to start a revolution. He says he's straight up going to get armed to learn how to shoot and go train. So here we have just a second nut job working for Bernie. Is anybody shocked? No. No. And he says there's more. Yep. We have been promised that there will be some weekly drops by Project Veritas. I don't know if these are all going to be Bernie field organizers or if we might have the joy of seeing some field organizers from other campaigns. That would be interesting. But That would. Yeah, I think this is going to be an ongoing thing for a little while. Oh, these people are nuts. No surprise that they're all Bernie supporters. <laughs> No, no, it's not a surprise. They're Bernie supporters because, you know, they're socialists. And he, he actually talked about that. He talked about how Bernie started this. He inspired so many other people to just come out and say they're socialists. Like they've all mm-hmm. been in hiding, but now they can just, just be flagrant about their socialism and their communism and, you know, their beliefs. And that people are, are inspired to run for office and mm-hmm. openly claim that they're socialist. So he was, you know, very thankful for Bernie for that. And although he obviously, like 
the previous guy from last week uh, claims to be way far left of Bernie, but he's just saying a Bernie opened the door. Now more people are flooding in Washington, uh, being open about their, their beliefs. And that if this is where we are in four years, as far as being openly socialist, where will we be in another four years? So he's just saying that it's, it's kind of a snowball effect of getting more people in the system who are further left of Bernie, even of, you know, being full on socialist or full on communist. 2020 is important, people. 2020 is very important. Oh, yes, that. Well, like you're saying in Virginia, as soon as the Democrats get control of any sort of state, they're going to start pushing through laws on stuff that are completely unconstitutional. We know this. And this is what's going to happen if they start getting to any other higher positions of power again. Right. Can't let it happen. Don't be complacent. Right, you guys, right. You guys want to do a quick, let's do a quick <laughs> Flynn update. I'm not going to do anything, you know, in depth here, but just a couple quick things that I think we can be happy about. So Sidney Powell just filed this supplemental sentencing memorandum to withdraw the guilty plea. That's just a requirement as far as the process of filing a withdrawal of the guilty plea. So we're moving along. We'll see where that goes. But another big bombshell was that Sydney Powell announced in a recent interview that she said she has a witness to the original 302 who says Flynn was uh, honest with the agents. So that's big. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And then we have this Tulsi thing. Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> Filed a lawsuit against Hillary Clinton. That's hilarious. Way to keep herself in the spotlight. Mm. Yes, it is. So how much did you say she was asking I, I, for? I think it was like 50 million. Don't mm. quote me on it, but I think it was like that. And this was for Hillary's suggesting that Tulsi Gabbard was a Russian asset. More people have to sue Hillary Clinton because she's called everyone a Russian asset. <laughs> set the grand, Tulsi. I'll give you a point for that if you can set the standard. Bill Gates can fund the Clintons, uh, Hillary Clinton's legal team. On October 17th, 2019, Clinton was a guest on the podcast campaign HQ with David Plouffe. In the course of a widely distributed national interview, Clinton stated the following regarding somebody who is currently in the Democratic primary, who they are grooming to be the third party candidate. And she said, she's the favorite of the Russians. Mm -hmm. They have a bunch of sites and bots and other ways of supporting her so far. And that's assuming Jill Stein will give it up which she might not because she's also a Russian asset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a Russian asset. So this is what Clinton said. This is why Tulsi is suing. And I just want to read one little snippet. It's like the first paragraph of the complaint because I love how Tulsi's goading Clinton because you know like what a megalomaniac Clinton is, Hillary Clinton is. So Tulsi Gabbard says in the opening paragraph of her complaint, Tulsi Gabbard is running for president of the United States, a position Clinton has long coveted, but has not been able to attain. <laughs> Slap to the face. Yeah, basically, she jealous. <laughs> <laughs> She's jealous. Just so it's clear, I do not care for Tulsi Gabbard myself, but this no. is... No, do I. It's no, funny. I don't either, but it's kind of interesting and funny. It's added to comedy. The, to watch the end fighting. Mm -hmm. 
I get a I get a good segue on that. So funny to finish it off. Uh, I assume Mr. Peanut is like a mascot for like a peanut company or something for you guys. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm sure it's an American brand, right? I just found this really funny though. Uh, it is with a heavy heart that we confirmed that Mr. Peanut has died at 104. Uh, but they, they like killed him off for something in a Super Bowl ad. Uh, he sacrificed himself to save his friends when they needed him the most. Please pay your respects. And then someone's made a tweet from the Mr. Peanut account saying, I have information that could lead to the rest of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm losing it. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, funny. that's good. So did I miss any other big bombshells while I was gone? I think that's about it so far. Yeah, I feel so far behind. I, I just, I'm so frustrated. I wanted to have, I wanted to have a whole article done before getting out the first chapter of my book. I wanted to have an article published today and wowzers. I just was thrown for a loop. That's okay. You get back on it, Corey. We understand. And, and for someone that didn't know much about what we were talking about today, you had a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never on a loss for words. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us here on Dig It with a speaker, myself, the Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please don't forget to share this podcast. We are now on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, and of course, YouTube. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Boom. Good job. Good job. Okay.